you would please turn in your Bibles to the letter to the Ephesians. We are looking at verses 17 to 24. So this I say, and I affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit. And you have renewed In the spirit of your mind, you put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness, holiness of truth. Thank you, Father, for bringing us today to look at this and to understand the conflict that exists among the brethren. But, Father, that we understand that because of the first three chapters, we are more than overcomers. We are victorious. So, Father, help us to hear this, that we may know you deeper and understand you more deeper. And, Father, as the Apostle Paul instructs, let us put off the old self and let us put on the new. In Christ's name, amen. In the context, the flow of this book, uh, you are in a transition place here that tells you, Because of your position in Christ, because of what he has shown us in the first three chapters, this is what I want from you. He started out chapter four with, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, which you have been called. All right, so how do I do that? How do I do that? And he showed us some things in all humility, gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love and being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All right, but when you start looking at that, you say, okay, I understand what the principles are. I understand that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I understand that this is the redemption plan that was founded before creation. I understand that I'm a part of that. I understand that in Christ, I'm a new creation, not added something to me. This is all brand spanking new. And so I need to understand how that is. And part of the battle is, is that I still have the cloak, the suit, the, the, the outer coverings of the old man. And I have to take that off. I can't allow it to be my steering influence. And that's what we are looking at. And yet the battle that you and I are dealing with is not new. I gave you uh, Gospel of John last week. Chapter 12, verse 37 says, But though he performed so many signs before them, they were not believing him. All right, so even in light of the miracles, 
even in light of the signs and wonders, things that just were beyond human understanding, they still did not believe. Then verse 39 says, For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again. And at that point, there's a point, and I can't tell you where it is. I can't say, okay, you reject him seven times plus four, you're done. Okay, but somewhere in there, in a human's life, the rejecting of Jesus Christ gets to the point where Christ says, no, you can't come. I don't know where that's at. I can't give you a biblical text that says, okay, uh, you reject him this many times in this manner and this many times in this manner, then no longer can you be saved. But I can tell you this. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart in signs and wonders that God was doing. Pharaoh hardened his heart in signs and wonders that God was doing. Pharaoh hardened his heart and was doing things that no man could understand. And then finally, what happened? God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the wrath of God was revealed. Romans chapter 1 deals with the very same thing. He will give you over. He will give you over to the desires of your heart. You think this is going to make you happy, He'll give you over. You think this is going to make you happy, He'll give you over. And then you'll get to a point in the conclusion of Romans 1. You will get to a point that because you are so hard-hearted, you create your own system of worship. And once you create your own system of worship, he gives you over to a depraved mind. The word depraved or reprobate, whichever word you want to use, means found useless for its intended purpose. Okay, now, that's God's wrath. That's God's judgment. Okay, most of the time we think of God's judgment, we think of Sodom and Gomorrah. But if he gives you over that you can't understand anymore, guess what? That's his wrath. You're done. Okay? I showed you that in the Pharisees. Even in light of what Jesus was doing, even in light of the teaching that Jesus was giving, they were blinded and they were hardened. Remember we looked at Corinthians 4 last week? The God of this world has blinded the mind of those who do not believe. Okay, please understand this is serious because you know what? That describes every one of us. Every one of us was there at one point in time. Back to our text. Walk no longer as the Gentiles. The word Gentiles there has two meanings to it. One is non-Jew. Okay. That can be a Gentile. And the second one is a religious system that you and I would call paganism. Okay, paganism, if you just really want a quick part of it, you can see uh, they are excluded from the life of God. They worship in their own way. And man was created to worship. And if you look at man throughout history, he's always found something that he can worship. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I remember I had a customer, I was working on his motorcycle, and he was all bummed out. And I said, what's the matter? 
And he says, my wife left me. I was like, really? That's a bummer, man. He said, yeah. He said, uh, that's my fourth. My fourth wife, is, she's left me. And he says, man, it just tore me up. And I just looked at him and said, you know what? If you take care of her as much as you do that motorcycle, I bet you'd have stayed. Okay, because that's, that's what happens. We, it's called idolatry, but normally if you say the word idolatry, we think of a little statue that we set up somewhere. and Oh, that's a Buddha or whatever. And idolatry is anything that's more important to me than God. Okay? Because of the futility of their mind. It literally means the uselessness of their mind. One of the things that I have noticed in our society and what I would call paganism today is we focus on the intellect. We are all smart. You don't believe me, ask. And that's what we are. We, we have an intellect. Look at our intellect. Look what, look what I can think of. And in doing that, you are showing the uselessness of your mind. Because in that process, you are darkening your understanding. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Okay, that English word that we translate there, we call it word, is logos. Okay, and that's the word we get logic from. So in the beginning was logic, and it was with God, and it was God. But see, man, in his self-centeredness, thinks he's logic. I told you guys I went to college years ago, and I took philosophy. And everybody said, philosophy? And I said, yeah. They said, why did you take philosophy? I said, because you can't be wrong. Whatever I want. You know, I had to read some of the guys, you know, Socrates, Plato, some of these other people that was out there. And you read it, and it's just blah, 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 blah. And you know, that's great. But this is my philosophy. Why? That makes me a philosopher. I did realize that there's not a lot of money in that unless you're dead. So uh, I pressed on to something more important, perhaps. But their understanding is darkened. And because they are excluded from the life of God, they are ignorant. Ignorant. Okay? Because of that ignorance, because of their understanding being darkened, they harden their hearts. Okay? I remember coming to Colorado, one of the fascinating things I found in Colorado on a regular basis was petrified wood. It was just so fascinating to me. You just see it, you can see all the strands in it that was in it would be in a tree or anything like that, but you could knock somebody, well, you can do it with a tree limb, can't you? But anyway, uh, this, this, this was a stone that used to be a living organism. If you go read Abigail's husband and the term that they used to describe him, he fell over dead because of the hardening of his heart. They used to call heart attacks and cholesterol. It used to be the hardening of the arteries. And that's the terminology they use. Okay, that's what happened here. All right, because I'm self-centered, my mind becomes useless. 
Because of that, my understanding doesn't work anymore. And because of that, I don't understand the life of God. I don't understand that. And because of that, the ignorance that is in me, that I harden my heart. I become petrified in my heart. And then verse 19, first part there says, having become calloused. Okay, I want to deal with that for briefly. I call that shameless. Shameless. Okay, we go from self-centeredness to ignorant to hard to shameless. These pagans, the Gentiles, when they continue in their sin, they have turned from the life of God, they will become shameless. Okay, the word there you see, callous. It literally could be translated, who being past feeling. They don't have any feeling. And have you ever been around people who are uh, self-centered? Okay. They're past feeling. You know what's really amazing about them? They don't know it. I had this discussion this week on narcissism. Okay. What is a narcissist? Okay. You know what's amazing about narcissists? They don't know it. They have no idea. I mean, you can point it out to them. Well, this and this and this and this and and that. Why? Because when I'm self-centered, I have become useless, meaning that I'm ignorant, meaning that I am hard to it, so I can't see it. Okay? When you arrive at that stage, you become past feeling. They don't feel it anymore. It's, you know, some people would call it apathetic. Some people may call it insensitive. I look at it on what I see, and the people don't care. It's amazing. They don't have a standard anymore. You know, and they... Once they step into that place, then they don't even care what the consequences are. And you know what? They don't mind and they enjoy shocking people. Okay? You think I'm making this up? Please look at our society. If you really want to be brave, I've got some websites here in Castle Rock that things going on in the homes that they televise in the name of freedom in Castle Rock. Their processes of thought are destroyed. They... uh, they get to a place because of this hardening of heart, because they are excluded from God, because of their darkened understanding, because their minds are useless. They get to a place that there's nothing more to hide. And you know what? They don't care. Past feeling, shameless, callous. That hardening of the heart... Um, It's so 
So did you know that a petrified tree doesn't need water anymore? And that's where they've gone. They don't even feel it anymore. Uh, To use Colossians, Paul said their conscience has been seared. Okay? Listen, this life you and I had before Christ. Every one of us, every person who's ever been saved had this. This self-centered, useless ignorance of truth. Seared conscious. Shameless. No ethics anymore. All of which finally results in the end of verse 19 there. Have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. The depraved mind, the mind that is useless, only creates a depraved life. Okay? That's what lost people are. That's what you and I used to be. The key to this, and I want you to see this, because it says here, have given themselves over. They've made a decision. They've made a choice. Their shamelessness doesn't bother them anymore. They have shameless thinking. And that leads to shameless actions. But you know what? It all starts in the same place. Self. Self. I had a person come to me once and said that uh, I have fallen into adultery. I said, really? Are you just walking down the hall and poof? Fell over on your head? No. You didn't fall into it. You didn't wake up and say, well, I wonder where that came from. You made a decision. You chose to do that because you were concerned about you. Why people steal? Why people murder? It's all about me. See, that is what the Gentiles, that is what the pagans do. You know, I look at the religious systems that were immersed in Ephesus, and it was all about self, self-gratitude. You know, whether I went into the temple of Diana or whether I went into the temple of Bacchus. Or, you know, maybe I'm feeling really spiritual. I'll go into Bacchus for a while and cruise over to Diana. Why? Because it was shameless. The center of self is useless. It's purposeless. It's pointless existence. And when you're in that, you turn off God. God is no longer important. You are. 
Then begins the hardening. Process that hardens against God and the things of God. Brothers and sisters, this can happen to a Christian. This is why Paul said, hey, get rid of this. Don't carry this around in your wheelbarrow. Pretty soon they have no sense of shame. And they'll say anything. I've had Christians use some very foul language with me in the last couple of weeks. And that speaks volumes to me. And I'm not talking about, oh, poo-poo. Okay? I'm talking about vile language. And of course they apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. And you just sit there and you think, man, I remember I was in construction. I know the language and the adverbs and the verbs that we used to use and the adjectives that we'd use on a regular basis. And then if a woman showed up, all of a sudden we spoke like saints. And of course, when the woman left, we went back to you know, the other side. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. That's gone. I've heard some women cause me to blush. Like, I can't anybody believe anybody would kiss that dirty mouth. Okay? Because once they get to that position of turning off God, They'll say anything. They'll do anything that they can get away with. As long as I can get away with it, I'll keep pushing it. The only ethic is, can you get away with it? Period. That's it. Then they are given over to a depraved mind. A useless mind. A reprobate mind. It's useless. And at some point in that uselessness, God says... That's enough. And you can't come back. And you can't come back. They are given over. Once they get to the place, I give themselves over to sensuality and every practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. And that's amazing. The, the, the syntax of this sentence is really amazing. It, it means I have a greediness for sensuality and impurity. I, this is something, oh, I've got to have this. When I read this, they give themselves over to sensuality. Um, that is basically shameless wantonness. Shameless wantonness. B.B. Warfield called it, quote, unblushing obscenity, unquote. The text, this word that you see here in 19 of sensuality is primarily a sexual, an undisciplined obscenity. It's, it's when churches embrace homosexuality because we, we want to show that we love you. Do you understand that the person who is in that has stepped into a place 
that is debased, that is useless, that the person that is in that has given themselves over to every kind of obscenity, impurity. Do we understand that? And if you embrace that as a congregation of saints, what are you saying? Sexual immorality of any kind is okay. And yet what you're doing is honoring someone who has a darkened understanding. You are honoring someone who has a futility of their mind. You're honoring somebody who is excluded from the life of God. You are honoring someone who is ignorant in their flesh. You are honoring someone and helping them to harden their heart. But see, I can take that down the line. If I use this term here, speaking of sensuality, then I have to take it to sexual. That's what the word means. Listen. If you look at way we used to be and where we're at today, okay? A bad man in his past tries to hide his badness. Okay? That makes sense? What's it today? I remember a lady came to me, used to be in this church, she's not anymore. She came to me and she says, I'd like to share my testimony. I was like, well, that's cool. And uh, she says, uh, I, I, there is a condition. I said, well, what, what is that? She says, uh, no one under 18 is allowed to hear it. What? And then she tried to explain some of it. And I said, uh-uh. I know what I did. And you guys can say, well, yeah, he had, you have no idea. And I ain't sharing it. I'll take 99% of it to the grave with me. Because you know what? It was awful. And it brings me shame. But my Jesus saved me. And I leave it at that. I see people in the name of Christ wanting to share. And that does not make sense to me. Some get to the point that they could care less. They promote it. I've had people who live like the devil and they tell me, do you have any single women in your church? I'd like to find me a woman I could settle down with. Nope. Don't have no single one. You ain't got one single. Ain't got one. Not one. I mean, do you realize how absurd that is? You know, if I go to say, yeah, I got one, but I'd hate to have to shoot you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> The only purpose that I see this is that they are using it to gratify self. If I am shameless, I can bring gratitude to myself. I can make it become second nature. Look around. 
Look around. Listen, I came through the 60s and 70s. I know what free whatever is. I know how it was exposed, and I've watched it. And yet I can look at it and say, in the 60s and 70s, it was depraved. But in 2019, it is what? It's still depraved. It's just that it's normal now. The mind that doesn't think. Okay, if you have a mind that doesn't think, is it really a mind? It cannot reason. It has no logic. It is fired by self. That's it's, it's the only issue. It cannot receive truth, and if it cannot receive truth, by all definitions, it's useless if it can't receive truth. Okay, now, look at our world. Look at our world. You know, we talk about, uh, we have an epidemic. Okay, I hear it all the time. Of course, that's not, that's not a good illustration because we have an epidemic about everything. But anyway, and uh, they talk about homelessness. And all the rest of it, and how this is this, and his, and how they are here, and now who, and we've got to help them, and we need to build a condo for them, and we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Let me tell you something. There's so much mental, mental illness in our country for one reason and one reason only. Okay? We strive as a society to remove all guards or boundaries. Okay? Everything is either a disease, it's hereditary, or it's this, or it's that. Our society, in the name of freedom, is destroying people. Listen, I grew up with some of the greatest artists that you could ever think of. Okay? And the ones that were the greatest, why are they dying at 27? Why did they die at 27? I can tell you why. They had moved in their hard-heartedness to the point of shamelessness, and they lose their minds. Listen, I knew a guy, and he took five days... Five days straight without sleep. Okay? And he did it in the name of partying. Okay? For five days. On the sixth day, he thought he had lost his mind. He had no idea anymore. Right and wrong were gone. The things that he had done in the five days, 24 hours a day for five days, were, had almost drove him mad by the sixth day. God said on the sixth day it is very good. On the sixth day of this man, he says, I've lost my mind. Took him two and a half months to get his group Back together. Okay? We do that on a normal procedure now. 
Not only that, we have societal norms that push it. Well, yeah. I heard a congressman tell me, hey, if nobody's got a job, we can all become artists. What an idea. That means I was like way ahead of you, huh? But if you go look at some of the... What happened to Van Gogh? Has anybody here heard heard of um, Ernest Hemingway? You know how he got started? He's a war correspondent. That's how he got started. His last book he wrote, he said, I'm going to make this memoirs from my heart and my mind. The problem is, one has been corrupted and the other has been tampered with. Shortly thereafter, he blew his brains out. Great mind. Some awesome reads. But he just kept going harder and harder and harder and harder. And to the point, the mind was useless. They go crazy because the mind is no mind at all anymore. It has no realization of truth. It does not know God. This was alive and well in the writing of in Ephesus at the time of this letter. But you know what? It's thriving here. And I mean right here, Castle Rock. It is thriving. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Pastors get together on how do we deal with our people now that marijuana is legal? We need to get together and have a conference and figure out how we're going to deal with that. I said, that's easy. Well, how are you going to deal with it? I'm going to send them to your church. That's not a difficult conclusion there, guys. They, well, they, you know, the government said it's legal. I said, abortion's legal. We're going to promote that. See what I mean? Look around. I don't have to look outside of the church, people. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling you and I here. You've got this old stinky suit on. Take it off. Because this is the path that will lead you. Every time. You really think you can play with it? Well, I'm just, I'm just not going to indulge it. I'll just kind of look at it a little bit and do this and do... No, man. <laughs> you couldn't do it before you were saved. You forgot that stinky coat on. You can't do it now. What part does a believer do we have in that? Why would we listen to their advice? We have truth. They're following lies. Who we are in Christ, what part do we have in the part of the pagans? I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Brand new creation. Not like anything before. Why would I want to identify with a reprobate mind? 
And yet, you know what? I see many doing it. The old self. People who give themselves up that God will eventually give them up. We have no part in that. Put this off, Paul says. Listen, I listen to people. I listen a lot. And I hear people saying, well, where does the evil of our society come from? Is it hereditary? Uh, my great-grandfather was one of the best moonshiners ever. Okay? Doesn't mean none. You know, I mean, if it's hereditary, that's easy. I'm of Adam. Okay, now that I've got that done, now what? Um, I hear people tell me, maybe it's just social weakness. The new thing is, is disease. Uh, I didn't realize you could be addicted to sex. I just was like, wow. <laughs> Who thought? You're addicted to alcohol. You're addicted to, what do they call it now? Opiates. You're addicted to this. You're addicted. No, man, you are addicted to self. And all of those things become your idols because you are centered on self. Okay? You go back to this text. What does it say? Give themselves over. They choose. Where does it come from? Themself. That's where it comes from. They give themselves over. It's not psychological. It's not sociological. It is absolutely, totally personal. This is what I want. Why? Because it'll make me feel better. Will it? It's what Romans 1 teaches. Try it. I'll give you over. Try it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take that one, too. Let's try that one. You make a choice that is your decision. You want to keep the old stinky jacket on? Then you choose to keep the old stinky jacket on. Then nobody says, I want you to be depraved today. Come on, get up and get after it. If that evil will satisfy you for a little while, okay, whatever it is. Well, it's just a little evil. I don't have a big evil. It's just, I got a little bit of evil. It's not a big, okay, guess what? You'll do it again. And then wait, what will you do? And again, and again, and you'll be like the dog returning to its own vomit. Pleasant picture, isn't it? That's what it is. See, listen, as you continue to repeat in this little satisfaction, you will keep pressing your guilt down. It won't bother you. Just push it down a little bit more. Put a little bit more, a little bit more. And you know what you're doing when you do that? You're petrifying your heart. And you will find, without a doubt, it will become easier and easier. That's what I tell people. I said, you know what? Missing church isn't that big a deal. You can miss one Sunday. It's, it's all right. But you know what happens if you miss one Sunday? 
second one's easier. If you miss two, you know what happens? Third one's easier. You miss three, you know what happens? It's six months. And it's usually because you got sick of the puke. Because outside of these walls, it's all it is. It's all that it is. It becomes easier and easier to the point that the mind will become useless. As B.B. Uh, Warfield said, unblushing obscenity. Listen, there's no fear. You will get to the place there's no fear of shocking anybody. Look at our society. Okay, I want to show you another word here. Verse 19. He says, for the practice of every kind of... Okay, the word practice there in the New American Standard. Look at our society. Right? It means to work. It actually has in mind of itself a business. It becomes a business. Um, if you really wanted to literally translate this, you could say it make a business out of uncleanliness. Okay? Look at our society. Our society has made a business out of uncleanliness. Look around. Look around. Just, you know, our, we have two industries in the United States. One, we don't know exactly what the numbers are. And I'll tell you that one in a minute. But we have one that is one of the largest industries that we have. You know what it is? Advertising. What does advertising do? They want your money. All right, and they will entice you with whatever that, you know what, I used to come from a partying background, and I see all of these scantily clad models with beer. That's a lie. That ain't true. And I don't care if they're drinking light beer. It ain't true. There's a reason that they keep open till 2 a.m., because then you convince that's got to be one of them women. And so we make a business out of it. All right? You know what they think is the largest industry in the United States? They can't get a number on it. You know what it is? Pornography. Pornography. But we can't get the number on it. But now we're going to make it safer. What does that mean? See, it becomes a business. See, the dirty business used to be hidden. Now it's everywhere. Not only is it everywhere, it's boasted. You know, my parents... And that generation for divorce was unheard of. Now, I've seen some miserable couples that probably should have. 
But you never heard of divorce. Nobody got divorced. When somebody got divorced, that's a scandal. What is it now? It's not even normal. It's promoted. I heard a pastor say, well, yeah, go ahead and divorce your husband because it's obvious as miserable you are, you married the wrong one and he'll show you which one. Now, that a sell. I have a quote here. Quote, The books written in America rival a broken sewer. Unquote. You know who said that? Billy Graham. A few years ago. Christian, what part do we have in that? I'm sitting here telling you to take off the old self. This is the old self I'm talking about here. It's done in greediness. An unlawful desire for the things that belong to others. That's what the word greediness means in the original. An unlawful desire for things that belong to others. They are after you. They want to steal your purity. They want to steal your morality. They want to steal your money. And eventually they will steal your sanity. And the world wants it all. The world's goal is to destroy. Because who's the God of this age? Paul looks at the pagan world that he was in at this time, and he sees self-centered, useless thinking that only leads to a darkened understanding and a hard heart. It callous puts calluses on the conscience so that it will get to the point that it will tolerate everything. Look at what the church 20 years ago used to tolerate. Look at what the church tolerates today. Look around. It's a business. Look at verse 20. You did not learn this way. You did not learn Christ this way. Have no part in that old way. Because you did not learn Christ this way. You have no part in that old way. Put it off. Put off that stinky old man. Verse 22. Lay aside that old self. Verse 24. Put on the new self. Verse 25. Lay aside every falsehood. You are a new creation. Not like before. Nothing like before. You didn't add something to the old creation. I've been buried with Christ through baptism in His death to be raised with Christ in the newness of life. That is a new creation. Get rid of it. We have no need of a futile mind. We have no need for a darkened understanding. We want to be included into the life of God. We do not want to be ignorant. We do not want our heart hardened. We do not want to become calloused. And we do not want to give ourselves over to the passions of this life. 
That is the old man. Ask yourself a question. And I'll close with this. The old man. What does it accomplish? What does it accomplish? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the contrast that you give us here. And Father, uh, in this time that we celebrate the incarnation of God before us, the God-man. Father, I pray that you'll instill in us a fire. That we will uh, put off the old man. And Father, put on the new self. Father, we lay aside the old self. And then Father, understand that we've been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, uh, let us never forget that the old self is corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit. Help us remember that. To you, my King, in Christ's name.